Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 25. Very interesting passage of scripture. It says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Turn to your neighbor and say, take no thought. Now that's, that's some pretty strong language right there. Take no thought. I, I like to take thought. I'll be honest with you. Uh, many things don't work out well when you take no thought. But the Bible says here, this is Jesus talking, so it's pretty important. He says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Why don't you turn to 1 Samuel if you have a chance, 1 Samuel chapter 21, and I'll give them a chance to turn to that because I did not give them the scriptures ahead of time. So 1 Samuel chapter 21, and we'll start at verse 10. We'll do uh, read 10 through 12. 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 12. Now let me give you a little bit of context here. We, we find that... Uh, that uh, King, da or rather David, is fleeing for his life uh, from King Saul. King Saul is the, is uh, the Israelite king at this time, and Saul is seeking David's life. He's jealous of David's victories, everything that God has done as David has slain the giant Goliath, and, and Saul is just jealous of everything that God is doing in his life. So he's trying to kill David, and so the Bible lets us know that David flees. He gets out of town. He flees the scene. And that's where we pick up the story today in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 10. It says, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him and dance his saying, Saul hath slain his thousands? And David his ten thousands. And this is what David says. And this is what I want us to pay close attention to. The Bible says rather, And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now, I know there are probably not many of you that speak good old King James's. Um, I don't either. I'm happy to hear uh, I thought at least that no one no one speaks the good king's english anymore right no okay or maybe you do okay but i don't really get what that means so you got to break that down to me and that that part right there when it says he laid up those words in his heart it's like did he take the words off the paper and like put them by his chest i don't know what does that mean no let me tell you what that means that means that when david heard the words that were spoken to him by the Philistines about him, he took those words to heart, and he began to believe it. Another translation says it this way. David thought about what they said. And when David thought, the Bible says David got really afraid. I would like to preach for the next few moments on this simple title, Put Off Your Thinking Cap. Put Off Your Thinking Cap. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, and even if you don't know what that means, why don't you just say it to him? Say, put off your thinking cap. Oh, my goodness. All right. 
All right. One more time. Lift up your hands. I promise I'm going to make this make a little sense. And let's just pray together. Lord, I thank you for this tremendous church. I thank you for your spirit that we felt already today. I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to move. Lord, you know the need of each and every person in this room. And I'm praying by your spirit and by your word. Do a supernatural work. Do a work that no man can do, that no man can take credit for. But God, only your name get the glory and the honor out of what will be accomplished in this place. We expect it, God. We believe it, and we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you so much. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I was, a, I was a pretty good kid growing up in school. Now, if you haven't detected, me and Pastor West have something in common. We are both from the South, and so there's probably a little bit of a Southern accent there. Uh, and I, I grew up in South Mississippi, and um, I, I went to school, and I was a pretty good kid at school. I was pretty good most, most of the time. Um, but I got to admit to you, there were a few times I got in trouble. There were a few times, just a few. Uh, um, maybe it was maybe it was more than a few, but it was. I mean, I got in trouble sometimes, and um, I remember this 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 one time. As a matter of fact, it was more than once. The big thing that I would get in trouble for it was not just being some really bad heinous kid. I promise you. Most of the time, it was. I, I'd be. Do, let me just demonstrate. I would be doing this right here, and all of my musicians, you can relate to this. I would. I would start. You know. Looking at me weird right now because you ain't no musician, so you don't get you. I know you don't get it, but musicians get it. I mean, from the time I was little, man, I, if there was pencils on the desk, brother DJ knows what I'm talking about. If there were pencils on the desk, we were making a beat right then, right there. And I promise you, that is what got me in the most trouble. And I'd be at my desk getting ready to play the greatest solo in the history of drum solos. You know what I'm talking about? I literally was transported. You know, I was, I was not at school anymore. I was transported to an arena filled with people. And everybody, DJ, was watching me as I played the greatest drum solo in the history of drum solos. And right as it got to the crescendo, I mean, I was getting ready to shut the place down. All of a sudden, there come a slap on my desk. Uh-huh, yep, back then. Now, y'all looking at me like, back then? Well, I'm 30. I'm not that old, but I am 33. So, I mean, it's back then, especially in Mississippi in the 90s, they did stuff like that. Slap, slap the desk ruler. James, what are you doing? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to put your feet flat on the ground, sit back flat up against the chair, and put on your thinking cap. Anybody ever heard that saying before? I don't know if they still say that in school, but whenever I was going to elementary school, that was the thing they would say, put on your thinking cap, because here's the thing. The purpose of school is to hone and to cultivate one's mental faculties so that your reasoning and competent, your reasoning and thinking skills are competent. But here's what I want to say this afternoon. We are not in a schoolhouse today. We are in the house of the Lord. And the purpose of the house of the Lord is to hone and to cultivate the supernatural so that miracles can happen in the heart and in the lives of every single person gathered here. And can I be honest with you? 
in order for that to happen, sometimes, as a matter of fact, most of the time, you have to put off your thinking cap. You have to, you have to take that thinking cap off of your, off of your mind. And you have to believe that God is truly able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. I know you might be coming into this place this afternoon. And you're like, oh, yeah, but James will say, you don't, you don't know my situation. You don't know my story. Can I be honest with you? I don't know your situation, and I don't know your story. But here's what I do know. I do know that we serve a God that can touch your life, touch your situation, touch your story. I don't care how hopeless it seems. I don't care how impossible it seems. We serve a God that is in this room to do a work in every life. But here's what you got to do. You got to take off your thinking cap. Because how many times have we convinced ourselves that God can't do something in our lives because we thought? Here's what the Bible says. I, I love what the Bible says about this whole, his whole thinking thing. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 31, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God says, let me be honest with you. The people that have all the wisdom and they, they got all the brains and the knowledge, let me be honest with you. When I do some things, I, I'm going to confound them. It's not going to make sense to them how I can do what I do. It's not going to make sense to them how I can move in situations like this. But listen to what the Lord ends with. He says, this is a reason that I do it, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God is in the business of doing things that are so impossible to our minds that when we see him do it, the only thing that we can say is, man, that was nobody but Jesus. That was nobody but Jesus that healed that person's body. It was nobody but Jesus that saved that person's soul. I can't explain it to you. I cannot comprehend how it happened, but Jesus did it, and I know it was Jesus because because I couldn't understand it. It didn't make logical sense to me. What this scripture is saying is when you come into the house of God, don't come expecting to simply understand everything at face value. That, that isn't all, it doesn't always work out that way because sometimes God has to make things or allow things rather to be so bad, so hurt, hurtful and so dismal that when he gets when he gets you out of that situation or when he does the miraculous all you can say is you know what I know it was God I should not be standing here today that situation should have taken me out that situation should have should have should have turned my life upside down but I stand here today by the grace of God and I can say it was no one but the Lord that did it so turn to your neighbor and say, put off your thinking cap. Get off your thinking cap. It was a normal life, another normal day seemingly in the life of David. There was nothing that would signal that this day was any different than any other day in the life of David. But can I tell you, it was a very different day in the life of David because the day uh, that we're talking about is the day that David's life would change forever. 
he'd be vaulted there, I say, enshrined into Jewish folklore by the working of a bona fide miracle, his slaying, that Philistine giant Goliath. And so we find this day that as David marches out onto the battlefield to face Goliath, we find that there are many people who are doing the opposite. They're running, they're scattering, they're fleeing at the sound of Goliath's bellowing voice. But David does quite the contrary, and David begins to march out onto the battlefield to face Goliath. Because here's what David knew. David knew this, that my response to what I hear determines what I ultimately will have from God. See, it doesn't matter what you hear. It matters how you respond to what you hear. And others are running. Others are fleeing. But David has made a decision that it doesn't matter how big the giant is before me. It doesn't matter how great the problem is in front of me. I serve a God that is able to deliver me. Therefore, I am not going to cower, but I'm going to march out onto the battlefield and face that giant. And that day, David was victorious. Can I just preach to somebody at the very beginning of this message today? Your response to what you hear will determine what you will have. I know that we're facing some situations right now that seem impossible, but can I tell you, your response to what you hear will determine what you have. I know what the doctors have said. I, I know what, what society says. I know what people around you are saying, but can I tell you, just because you hear doubt, just because you hear unbelief, just because you feel pain, just because you hear all that stuff does not mean that things have to turn out the way that they say that they will turn out. But if you have faith in your heart in a God that is able to move and you advance out and face every giant that's in front of you, can I tell you victory is imminent. God is going to move on your behalf. God is going to do a work in your life, but it all depends on how you will respond. It all depends on what you will do, your response. David says, listen, you guys may be responding in, in fear. You may be responding in doubt, but I, I believe that, that the power of my God is greater than this Philistine that is standing before me. And so David responds. Can I ask you a question? How will you respond today? We all have things that are facing us. We all have things that are coming against us. But the question is, not do you have issues. Man, everybody's got issues. Everybody has things they're facing. The, the, the greater question is this. How will you respond to your issues? Because your response to what you hear is what ultimately determines what you have. The situation in and of itself does not have the power to rule and run your life the way that you think. I know the way it feels right now. It feels as if this report of what's been said or what's been done or what's been spoken, it'll always hang over you like a dark cloud. But can I tell you, we serve a God that is able to touch that situation. We serve a God that's able to lift you out of the place that you're in right now. But you got to respond the right way. You got to respond in faith. You can't respond in doubt. You got to respond in faith. And if you do, can I tell you, our God will move in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. David responds. He responds in faith. Man, how incredible it is those times we 
are somehow able to muster up enough faith to respond and do something. But if I were to tell you that that's the way that it always was for David, I'd be telling you a lie because David did not always respond this way. What we find later on in 1 Samuel chapter 23, a very different David than we find in chapter 17 when he's facing Goliath. This David is very different. As I mentioned earlier, this David is fleeing for his life because Saul is pursuing after him, the current king of Israel. Saul has become jealous of David's victories. He knows that David has killed Goliath, and Saul is jealous. Saul is mad. It's not him, and he's jealous. He wants to do something about it. He wants to kill David. He wants to take him out. So David flees, and the Bible says he goes to Achish in Gath. The Philistine armies that he once defeated, now David is seeking shelter with them. The Bible says that David there, seeking shelter amongst the the Philistines, begins to hear them speaking something about him. And that's what we find in our scripture text in 1 Samuel chapter 21. The Bible says they begin to speak of David, that that. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And, and, and isn't this the one that they, they were saying this about? Isn't this the, isn't this the Israelite that, the, that, that all of Israel was singing this song about? Now I want you to understand. As a matter of fact, let me just read it for you because this is very interesting to me. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, they said, And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him and dance his saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now, I don't know about you, but that is very interesting to me because what we find in the scriptures is David has been anointed as the next king. The prophet Samuel comes and anoints him as the next king just a few chapters before this. But David has not yet been appointed king. But yet, the Philistines look at him And they say, there's the king. They see the hand of God on David's life. But here's the problem. David can't see God moving in his life because of what the scripture reveals to us in chapter number or verse number 12. The Bible says they say this, what was supposed to be a pronouncement of David's divine destiny, what should have given him faith to believe, whoo, I'm going to make it, this thing is going to be all right, turns into a pronouncement of his impending doom because the Bible says David laid up those words in his heart. He thought about it. Before, when he faced Goliath, he didn't think. He just marched out onto the battlefield, said, God, I I believe that you're getting ready to do something in my life, but this time, oh, no, not this time. This time, the Bible says that David thought about what they said. Oh, how many Things have we missed out on that God has for us because we just get in our head a little too much. You ever been there before? Y'all looking at me real weird right now like y'all ain't ever been there before. But the devil is, y'all done been there before because we've all been there. We're all human beings and we've been there before where, where God is getting ready to do something. But And we responded in faith in times past, but for some reason this time we're like, ooh. Oh, Lord, I don't, I don't know if you could do this one. You know what I'm talking about? Like, okay. Like, I know, you, I know you touched that person's family, but God, you just ain't seen my family. 
You ain't seen nothing like my family. God, I know that you've touched that person that was dealing with, with anxiety and fear and all that. I've heard of you doing that type of thing. But, Lord, you don't understand the type of fear that I'm dealing with right now. And you begin to think, man, this is really deep. This is really dark. This is really bad. I just, it doesn't make sense, God, that you can actually do this. And we begin to convince ourselves just how ineligible we are for a miracle by just thinking. Man, have you ever been there before where you just, you're just weighed down, not by what others have said. Yeah, that might might have started it, but all of a sudden you're just weighed down by your own thoughts and and before you know it, you were feeling you were feeling good at first, but the more you think about it, the, the, the less better you feel about it. And the more you contemplate and the more you dwell on it, the more anxious and nervous and fearful you get. Because that's what happens sometimes when you put on your thinking cap. That's, what, that's why Jesus said, don't, 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 don't take any thought for your life. Don't be anxious about everything because here's the truth of the matter. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself. And the truth that you need to know is if I took care of the sparrows, if I take care of the birds that are outside and they never have anything to worry about, can I tell you I care so much more about you than every sparrow? So I'm going to take care of you. Don't be nervous. Don't worry. Don't think about this thing. Trust in me. Trust in my will. Trust in my purpose. Purpose for your life. Got to take off your thinking cap sometimes. But David, <laughs> David's like so many of us. David's like, man, I can imagine. He's like, oh my goodness, they know who I am. Uh, they're going to they're gonna kill me. They know that I killed their champion, Goliath. Oh, these dudes, I'm sure there's been a bounty out for me. These guys have been hunting for me. I'm done. I'm good for I'm done. David begins to think, and I got to get back to my wife. I got to get back to my kids. I got to get back. David's thinking about this thing, and his thoughts are what cause him to be sore afraid. I wonder, there seems to be like an epidemic of anxiety and fear and worry in the world in which we live. I think it's very interesting that the more, the less God that we have, the more worry and fear and anxiety that we have. You know what I'm talking about? That's not a coincidence that our world has gotten more anxious and more fearful and more worried. You know why? Because our world has, has become more and more dependent on their own thoughts and their own logic and their own reasoning. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you look at things at face value, you will look at it and say, you know what? There's no way that God can ever do anything with this situation. If you look at it at face value, it's going to look like there's no way that God can move in this situation. That's why people are walking around hopeless. That's why people are walking around discouraged and fearful because they've listened to their own thoughts so long that they become convinced that God cannot do what I know God can do. But let me tell you something right now. God is able to do things that cannot be explained and comprehended with our mind. That's what makes him God. That's what makes him good. That's what makes him powerful. Powerful. So if you're facing an impossible situation today, I just want to encourage you, don't think about it too much. Just put your faith in Jesus. Don't worry about it too much. Just put your faith in God. And the more you put your faith in him, the more he will begin to move on your behalf. The Bible says David thinks about it and becomes sore afraid. 
But things begin to change in David's life when he makes a decision. You know what? I've thought about this thing for, for a long time, my own way. And it, it didn't work out that way. He, he thinks about it and he becomes afraid. He thinks about it and he becomes scared. But David at some point transitions back to the, the previous mode of thinking that he used to be in. and That was a, a mode of faith. Here's the thing. You're literally sometimes, as a Christian, going to have to just shut your brain off. I know that's so, I know that's so countercultural right now. We got, we got knowledge at our fingertips. More so than any previous generation in human history, perhaps. Knowledge is at our fingertips. But let me tell you something. Sometimes you're just going to have to get off Google and pray. Sometimes you're going to have to get out your own head and you're going to have to pray. Because when we make up our mind not to consult ourselves, not to consult our best friends, and our best friends may be awesome. Thank God you got a best friend. But, but, but sometimes you've you're you got to make up your mind. I'm not, a, I'm not going to consult them. I'm not going to consult my own thoughts. I'm not going to consult my, my, my own way of thinking. But God, I'm going to consult you. And that's what David did after David allows his thoughts to betray him in 1 Samuel chapter 21. We now find David in 1 Samuel chapter 23. And he's facing the same foe that he's faced all three times, all the previous two times in our examples. It's the Philistines. First, it was Goliath. The second time, it was those men that said, hey, isn't that the guy? And now we find David again facing those same Philistines. But this time, he does what he did the first time. This time, David begins to consult the Lord. 1 Samuel 23 and verse 2, the Bible says, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? David says, I'm not going to give myself time to think about this. Because if I think about this again, I'm going to get real afraid. If I think about this again, I'm going to get real, I'm going to talk myself out of it just like I do every single time. Anybody ever been there before? God's trying to get you to do something, and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't think that was God. <laughs> yeah, it was. You just talked yourself out of it. You just thought about it too much. But David says, no, I'm not going to consult myself. The Bible says this time David inquires of the Lord. He says, Lord, shall, shall I go up and smite these Philistines? Listen to what the Lord says. The Lord says, yeah, David, because you sought me. I, I, I'm speaking a greater word over you than what you can speak over you. I see something that perhaps you, you're not able to see. David, go and smite the Philistines and save Goliath. When David stops relying on his own logic and reasoning to figure out how to handle his problems and consults God, God speaks to David says, David, I'm getting ready to do something that only I can do in your life. I'm getting ready to touch. I'm getting ready to move in your life. I'm getting ready to move on your behalf. I want you to stand all across the room. But you got to put off your thinking cap. There's, there, are th there are some things that God is wanting to do in your life, in my life. And I promise you. I can preach this all day, <laughs> but living this, whoo, man, that's a whole completely different thing. 
because we all are human beings. And we all have giants standing in front of us right now. And we're like, man, if there's some way that we can, like, just get rid of this giant and make it go away. God's like, yeah, the only way for, to make it go away is for you to go up to this thing, confront it, and say, my God is bigger and stronger in Jesus' name. You're like, whoa, I don't want to do that, God, because you say this is the reason and that's it. And God's like, no, you're thinking again. Don't think about it. Consult me. Pray about it. I see what I have to say about it because I promise you, I, I got something better for you than where you are right now. I end with this. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have a father that took off his thinking cap and believed God. My dad is a very logical man. Um, He's a mechanical engineer by, uh, by degree. He got his degree from Mississippi State University. And if you know anything about mechanical engineers, you know this. They're pretty logical people. Are there any engineers in the room? Anybody? There's usually like one hiding out somewhere. Okay, okay. Engineers are very logical. And I have nothing against logical people. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. But man, you put logic and God together, and sometimes... It doesn't always mesh the best. So you can imagine the first time that my dad came into a spirit-filled church, you know, where people are, like, worshiping exuberantly, and, and they're speaking in, in tongues, speaking in a heavenly language. I don't know. That just kind of weirded my dad out, I'll be honest with you. He's like, man, what is going on? But here's the thing about my mom. My mom is just one of those people. She just has almost childlike faith. So she came up to the front and she began to pray. And God filled my mom with the gift of the Holy Spirit. She began to speak in a heavenly language as God gave her the ability to speak. It was amazing. God filled her with his spirit. And she goes back to her seat. They were probably 20, 21. They were in college at Mississippi State. And go back to their, she goes back to her seat. And my dad is looking at her like, you've lost your mind. You know, he's looking at her weird. She, he's seen the whole thing, right? He's seen her go up there speaking something. He said, what happened to you? She said, I just got the Holy Ghost. He said, you got what? She said, I just got the Holy Spirit. I just spoke in a, in a language I've never heard before. It was awesome. It was amazing. He said, okay, this is, this is crazy. He said, you mean to tell me that you just spoke? She said, yes. He said, okay, he said, I, want, I want to talk to the pastor. So they go to the pastor's office, pastor's, and what's interesting about it is it was a church plan. Probably atmosphere very much like we're in right now, Freedom at Freedom Church. He goes up to the pastor, he's like, my wife just said that she got the Holy Ghost. What do you have to say about this? Pastor comes up to, he's like, Mr. Ron, I, all I can tell you is ask her. And so my, my dad turns back to my mom and says, you mean to tell me? that you just spoke in a language you have never heard before. That is pretty weird and unbelievable. She's like, yes, I'm telling you, I just spoke in a heavenly language. I've never heard it before. I don't know how I did it, but it's real. I just did it. My dad said, okay. He said, I tell y'all what. He said, if the Holy Ghost is real, he said, I'm coming back tonight and I better get it. And he walked out the door. 
But here's something very interesting that happened between that first service that morning and that second service that night. My dad, that first service he came in, he had his thinking cap, cap all the way on. You know, the mechanical engineer one. You know, the one that is looking at everything through the lenses of differential equations. I don't even know what that means. I just saw one of his books on his shelf that he did in college. You know, he's, he's looking at everything, you know, just try. Okay, this is not, uh, whoa, people speaking in a language they've never heard before. Whoa, that don't make sense. But here's the thing. God doesn't always make sense. It just doesn't work that way. So what my dad had to do between that morning service and that night service you know what he had to do when he walked out that door that night he had to leave that thinking cap at home and he had to push aside every thought of doubt every thought of fear every logical hoop he had to jump through for all that stuff to make he had to he had to quit doing that he had to go in he just had to believe the word of God and that night, he did. He responded. He did what David did. He, he, like David, marched out onto the battlefield with, with courageous faith and faced Goliath. My dad marched into that service with courageous faith to believe that God could fill me with his spirit. It didn't happen like it did for my mom the first time. He came up to the front, prayed, nothing happened. So he went back to his seat. Pastor began to preach a message. And you know, when you're starting a church, you can, you can be pretty specific at who you preach at, you know. So this guy is preaching at my dad. I mean, he's aiming it right at me. He's like, he's preaching this message called, I know God can, but will he? And so let me just let you in on some, some type of stuff that we do in the South sometimes. Sometimes we make up words by combining words. So this preacher's preaching at my dad, and he's like, I know God can, but will he? And so he combines the words will and he together and makes up Willie, like Willie, like a person, the name Willie. And he's like, you got to get rid of Willie if you want God to do something in your life. And he's just preaching this at my dad, like get rid of, he's preaching it right at him. My dad's like, what is going on? But my dad, I made up his mind, God, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship you like this thing is real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you everything I have. I'm going to praise you like you're getting ready to do it. So my dad, several times throughout that service, lifted up his hands and said amen to the preacher and nothing happened. Came up to the front, nothing happened. Said amen, nothing happened. Said amen, nothing happened. But one time in the course of that service, he stood up say amen just as he had done several other times in the course of that service and this time when he said amen the Holy Ghost hit him like a lightning bolt and forcefully he began to speak in other tongues as God's spirit gave him the ability to speak it was a life altering moment in the presence of God I mean God shattered every thought of unbelief God shattered every thought of this could just be some hoax or just some scam nah man this is real he began to run around the church I mean he was running around spinning around everybody's like dude this guy I don't know what he got but he got something I mean he's speaking in other tongues and finally he just settles down at the front somewhere the pastor comes and looks at him in the face and he says you know what I told you it was real 
I told you that if you give God an opportunity in your life, I told you that if you take the thinking cap off, if you take the limits off of God, I told you that if you give God a chance, God will meet you and touch you and fill you with his spirit. Can I tell somebody right now, God's spirit is real. God's presence is real. God's anointing, God's healing power is real. But you got to put off your thinking cap and you got to believe that God can do it. So I wonder right now, I'm going to give us some further instruction in a moment, but I wonder right now, would you lift up your hands all across this room and would you just begin to pray? Would you lift up your voice and would you just begin to ask God to touch your heart? Would you begin to ask God to touch? Don't worry about what it seems like on the outside. Don't worry about what your thoughts are telling you right now. But put your faith, put your hope, put your trust.